0: Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by human synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. How our jobs are designed, send messages about how we're expected to behave. Hi, I'm Dominic Gawley, and I'm joined by David Byram, aka DB.
1: Hi, Dom. It's great to be back for uh, episode four of Culture Bites.
0: That's right. This is part four of a five-part series. And we've been breaking down what culture is and, and how it's caused. So in part one, we looked at what it is, why it matters. And then we started looking at what are the causes of culture. So in part two, we talked about mission and philosophy and structures. And then in the last episode, part three, we talked about the HR systems and how they're causing culture. In today's episode, we're looking at how jobs are designed and how that sends messages about how people are expected to behave. So, D B, how does job design impact culture?
1: Great question, Dom. This area of what the researchers refer to as technology and what I refer to as job design, it allows us to actually understand how we take the inputs of an organization and translate it into the outputs. So what we're doing here is we're looking at What do people actually do in their job? Uh. What decisions can they make in their job? How much variety do they have in their job? Do they know if they have done a good job? Do they get to relate with others in their jobs? How important is their job in their mind? So from their perspective, how important is it in their role? And then to what degree do they expand their horizon in terms of their role? And we refer this to this aspect of job design. Okay, One of the most interesting aspects, I would say, and for some organizations, it can be one of the most challenging aspects to work on. Okay, why is that? Because some aspects of jobs don't allow themselves to a new design. Uh. The way the job is structured, I have to greet, serve, complete a certain role with the customer, for example, and the customer wants to be in and out. So I often think of the example of um, a teller in a financial institution. Their job is pretty bounded. They're uh, processing the request of the customer, so withdrawals, deposits, inquiries, whatever it might be. So the challenge then becomes that's the job, but Uh what additional variety and flexibility can we create around that job? What decisions can we create for that individual to make within the role? How do I give them different skills and expand their role and then show the impact of their role across broader aspects of the business.
0: So it might be a relative thing. So some jobs are more, you know, it's easier to create more autonomy, create more variety and so on. Some are going to be a little
1: more restrictive than that, but it's what can we do? Correct. And and I think that's a great question. What can we do? Right up there with how might we? Uh. I think they're great, great open questions. So a lot of people, I think when we look at job design, they let their culture live them let them control. So we said earlier, are you controlled by your culture? Or is your culture controlling you? Because it's oh. there. And they go, well, that's the job. But your question around what can we do? Brilliant question. How do we actually leverage the job and the role to allow people to make a difference? Oh. Be curious, be creative, seek that opportunity to learn and engage and do things differently or do different things. Uh-huh. Technically, if we jump into the causal factors. The causal factors that we're actually talking about here in terms of job design are autonomy, skill variety, feedback. And we talk about feedback from the job, which I'll talk about specifically. Task identity, significance, and interdependence are the six variables that we look at.
0: So if we start from the top then, autonomy, what's that about? Why does it impact culture?
1: So the autonomy is the degree to which I have the discretion, the freedom to make decisions about How my role is carried out. So, if I look at my role, can I decide the order in which I do activities? So, things around scheduling or processing. Can I decide on the practices and procedures that I'm going to follow and how I do that? So, to what degree do I have decision making in my role? It's up to me to decide as an individual how I complete the activities. I know what the goals are. And we talked in the last Culture Bites podcast around setting clear goals, so I know what the goals are, and now I have the autonomy, the decision-making authority to make those decisions on my goals.
0: And I guess culturally, that's an indication of trust, really, right? True. Because, hey, we can tell you what what we're trying to achieve, and then we trust you to make the best call about it getting there, right? Because you're actually in the seat that is kind of the front the front seat to um, doing the activity, so you probably know best.
1: Yeah. I like that word trust. It's right up there within that satisfaction through people, that humanistic and affinity piece. And it's that culturally we have high trust in others. So I generally throw the trust with others on the end of it versus trust in self. Ah. So as a leader with trust only me, I'm going to limit the information I share so therefore, people are going to struggle with the autonomy if they don't have all the information. Wow. They don't know the timing or the order or all the processes. Yeah, great word. Trust.
0: And then the opposite, which I've seen a lot with, particularly with back offices, but even with customer service kind of roles mm. and stuff is, you know, you've got to follow the script, right? Step one, two, three. It can never be step one, three, two. It, you know, it must be the same every time. You get no choice in how you, you do it. You've got to do what you're told.
1: Yeah. And that's going to drive the conventional The thing I would pause, and it comes back to training and development, and this is why we've talked about the the causal factors all being linked. So, and you gave a good example of the process, one, two, three versus one, three, two. If the order is critical and needs to be one, two, three, we want people to have the autonomy and the courage to go one, two, three, and they know why. So, it's more than... When we talk about autonomy to make decisions, they know why they make decisions in the order they make them, not just how. Because if someone truly knows why, they will do the best of their ability to achieve. But if they just know how, they're going to be, well, what's the difference it makes? Does it really matter? And that'll link back into significance as well. So explaining the, the why, what I refer to as the technical knowledge, is often a key to ensuring people can have Great job design, which leads to autonomy and feedback and a few other variables. Well, and you can
0: only give people autonomy if they, if they, one, have the competency to make the decision and two, know where we're actually going. So they know that why, they know what the mission is, what the goal is. Otherwise, you can't make decisions in a vacuum, right?
1: Correct. And I think, and I hope our listeners are starting to see the both the linearity of what we're talking about with the causal factors create the culture and the culture creates the causal factors, but also that we're dealing with, the causal factors that interlink and uh-huh. affect each other. So often you need to pick a couple of key levers you want to work on to drive sustainable cultural change. The, the second, if you like, lever within that area of job design would be school variety. Okay. And that is the degree to which I get to use different skills and competencies. I'm no longer considered to be a robot. So therefore, linking to other causal factors, I'm actually learning and growing new skills and competencies. Wow. It's this whole aspect of challenging me to be the best I can be. So how do I grow? So do I get to do a lot of different things? Do I get to use a lot of different skills? Are some of my schools involved in complex problem solving or decision making? Other schools rely on me on a high interaction of people. Do I get to do a variety rather than just a fixed group of skills? So I get to experience different things through that. And so how does that impact culture? Maybe if we go back
0: to the bank teller example that we, we started with. So if if they're in there and maybe they only do one type of inquiry or something all day long, what kind of impact is that having on culture for them?
1: Well, I'm really about fit in, conform. Uh, I'm just doing this. And from a, I'd almost say what it's not driving, it's not driving – experience creativity so curiousness curiousness dare i bring my word of curious back it's not driving this to explore because it's still the one way
0: and so it's almost like the you know you pull this lever turn that button whatever and it's kind of un you know check your brain out stuff right if it's the same thing over and over and over yeah
1: in particular i'd say that the autonomy lack of autonomy lack of school variety is certainly going to drive some more of those passive conventional avoidance type behaviors. And, and so
0: what about, you know, we talked about some jobs lend themselves more to that and not, and I, I'm going to guess school variety is like that, right? Some jobs, you know, you need to do this thing and we need to do it over and over. So what are the options for companies where, say, I have a job like that, what are maybe some ideas that they could look at?
1: So I think the, the best thing in the world is to ask the people, and look at the broader causal factors, So, and particularly some of these broader job design ones, is what could we do? How do we do it differently? Uh. What additional experiences could I give you? Uh. How could I make your role effectively a little bit broader, which I'll talk about task identity. So how do I broaden the scope of your role? Uh. So rather than just processing the same type of claim every day, how do I give you variety in claims you process?
0: Could it even be in a job rotations? or say I, I go to multiple. another department? or
1: Could be multi-skilling or variety of work, 100%. So what can I do to give you more decision-making? What can I do to give you more variety? What can I do to give you more scope of role? How do I allow you to interact with more people to understand the broader impact you have? Which leads me nicely to um, feedback. Okay. One of my favorite questions of all is, how do you know you've had a good day? So when anyone leaves on a daily basis or when they come into work on the morning or the evening shift for those who are doing shift work, how do you know you're going to have a good day? So what is a good day for you look like? Uh. And one of the key components of job design is providing feedback from the job itself. So when someone does the job, do they know they've had a good day? If I've done my work to the best of my ability, can I go home and share with my family and friends that today was a good day because Mm. of whatever that might be. And it's interesting. I've actually asked
0: people that question, like friends and family and so on. And people often struggle with the answer, actually, which is interesting. So what does a good day look like? And they're like, hmm, I'm not sure, which is, you know, fascinating because if you don't know what it looks like, how are you going to achieve it?
1: Correct. And that naturally, nicely links us back into some of the goal setting metrics we talked about in the previous podcast. So now it's like, have we created the job and the systems and practices around the job that allow the individuals to understand what is a good day. And I know I'm having a good day. So is it through some visual boards that we're creating that they can see their performance? My goal here is inherently that the individual themselves, through whatever mechanism we've created, they know when they walk out the door that I've had a great day. And more importantly, their supervisor from use of rewards. He's right there with him saying, "Well done, you've had a great day." So this is under job design. So, and use of rewards is in a different
0: segment, yep. right? So when we say feedback, are we saying it's not so much it's not the other people telling us that we've done a great job, but the job telling the us job. that we have done a great job? Yeah,
1: the completion of the job knows that I've done it, done a good job.
0: What it reminds me of actually, when I was in university, I was, worked as a landscape gardener for a, well for a number of years actually. And um, I actually loved that job. And part of the reason was high feedback because at the end of the day, you could turn around and you could see everything you've done, right? There was all these, all the soil or whatever. Now it's in the garden. The garden looks amazing, whatever. And that was very satisfying, right? And you didn't need a manager. You didn't need someone else to tell you because you could literally, you could see your work.
1: I've got some retaining wall blocks that need to be laid at home, Dom.
0: I said I was was a landscaper, not
1: anymore. I could. I'm quite. I'm sure you would tell you you're doing a good job. <laughs> you would not need any feedback from me. Uh, it's a great example. The feedback from the job, it's there. It's tangible. It's there. Now, for some people, it's it's an interaction feedback. So, someone in a more service focused role will get that interaction feedback. I was fortunate enough yesterday that. I was at a client talking around the impact of culture and what it does. And um, I had an instantaneous feedback yesterday that and I was, it was a fair drive. I drove for about six hours yesterday. That yeah, it was, a, it was a good day. So you get that inherent feedback from the job. You don't need anyone to tell you you get it. When your supervisor or manager knows, then it links into use of rewards. Right. Uh, recognition and stuff. so it's now the recognition of the user awards piece. For some roles, the design of the and the counterbalance would be that the role's designed in a way that it's difficult for me to know if I've had a good day. So the tip I would give to people is if they can't and it might be because it's a big scoping project uh-huh. and I like your landscaping analogy, you could see small chunks as you're building. Uh-huh. For some people, programmers writing code and a little bit depends on the individual. But the program won't be done by end of one day of coding. Right. But they've written some code. So how do they get feedback from what they've done on the day? So how do people know the bit they've done is contributing to this greater, greater good?
0: Ah. And that can be a challenge in a lot of kind of more office-based jobs or something like that because, you know, like with the landscaping or something physical, it's mm. very obvious. You can yeah. literally see what you're doing. With some of these other ones, you know, I've fired off some emails, I've done this and that. It's not so clear, you know, maybe what you've
1: achieved. Yeah, and this is the advantage of asking the individuals, how do you know you've had a good day? Mm.
0: So get them to define yeah. it.
1: What does good look like for you?
0: And so I'm guessing if, if we're not getting that feedback from the job, then we're going into sort of a passive thing.
1: Potentially, yeah. I'm just sitting back dependent, potentially even avoidance because I've got no opportunity to understand what's going on.
0: And my, I don't know if my effort's making a difference or not, right, because yeah. I can't tell. So. Correct. Correct. So if I can tell, then I yeah. guess that my effort's making a difference. I'm in the achievement area.
1: And what I would say is that it's lack of achievement. Right. So lack of curiosity, lack of exploration to grow. So the lack of feedback doesn't – it will drive some security orientation, but the lack of it doesn't create the constructive. Right. It pulls
0: down constructive. Yeah. Yep, yep. Gotcha.
1: Task oh. identity yep. is another way – to help individuals understand the impact of what they're doing. What does uh, that mean, task identity? So, great question. What we're now talking about is that as an individual, I can see the whole task from beginning to end. So what I'm doing is complete, tangible, and identifiable. Mm-hmm. So a lot of us do part of tasks, but what's the whole end? So I have responsibility for the whole end the whole of a task, end to end. Now, that still might be a subcomponent of Uh tasks, but I can see the tangible bit that I'm doing and how it all links together in that greater good. I have clear identity um, of what I'm doing. The ideal would be that I'm responsible for a tangible service or product. Uh. That's my contribution. So the broader the task identity, the bigger the impact to be constructive and the more it's going to drive my achievement mindset. I'm doing that whole piece, rather than part piece of work.
0: And so, is it if we're just in those little pieces, then we don't know what it's for, and what's the? Great we're so focused, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. And these all link, and I think we don't know what it's for is a nice segue. So well played, Dom. It's a very nice segue into significance, wow. which is what I'm doing is important to others. It's tangible, and I understand the importance, and this is. For me, and it links a little bit to service focus, we talked in podcast number two, if my memory serves me correctly. The significance variable when we look at is, is what I do have significant impact on the lives of others? So how many people are affected? A lot of people are affected by what I do. And it's important. What I do has a significant contribution to others. I'm fortunate enough that I work with a a few clients And there's one client in particular that comes to mind that impacts a lot of people. Uh And one of their biggest opportunities for their culture and to drive that achievement lens and mindset is that their broader employee base don't see the significance of what they do, but they impact everybody in what they do. So how do I get that tangible link between the mission and philosophy of the organization, the purpose and the objectives of us all the way down to me as the individual contributor and why is my piece of the puzzle important to the broader good
0: so lots of organizations cascade kpis and stuff like that so at the top level these are our goals and then it breaks down and down and down is that what we're talking about or is it something different
1: it's more it is cascading of the kpis but i would say it's it's more tangible than that okay it's that what i'm doing my personal contribution impacts to the greater good of the organization so which is links to this cascading KPI, but I can see my contribution in this greater good and how it actually services back to the, our constituents or our customers. So what I do has a substantial impact on others.
0: And so that others, I mean, people probably jump straight to customers, right? Or we we jump straight to what we do, perform some great thing for society in general. Can it also be, you know, me doing my job impacts my teammates or, or other people in the teams around us.
1: Yes, for sure. And it could be customers or others around us. The example that comes to mind, and I don't know where I first heard this example, but it was the example of the janitor in a hospital.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And uh, someone said, so what do you do for a living? And he said, I save lives. Uh. And they went, I thought you were the janitor. And he goes, yes, but my role is to keep the hospital clean. By me keeping the hospital clean minimizes the bacteria levels in the hospital. And by minimizing the bacteria levels in the hospital, minimizes the chance that people can get sick, minimize the chance they end up staying in hospital, et cetera. So right. he could see or she could see the tangible example of what they were doing to a greater good.
0: And so that
1: is ultimately back to my, if it makes a difference achievement. It's ultimately that what I'm doing is making a difference. And what I talk of when I launch and start with culture, we talk about these drivers of motivation, and two of those drivers are that my effort makes a difference, and that difference the second part of that is that difference is significant. Mm-hmm. So how do we do that? So significance. The other part about job design is I'd say we are people. We are, are a collective, and we're a society that lives in groups. There are a few People live solo. But we're a society that lives in groups. So, the last piece that we're looking at is interdependence. And the degree to which we cooperate and work with others. So, I can see the significant impact and the task identity of my role. Uh. But interdependence is really saying now, how do we link with others? How do I actually work with others? So, to what degree must I cooperate and work with others versus to what degree that I don't need anybody else? And you can see that we're now actually talking about the, from a, constructive lens, we're talking about the humanistic and affiliative side of the circumflex. So how do we collaborate, work? And does it matter if I work with others or not.
0: Uh. And so I guess the opposite side of that, if we've got a lack of interdependence, it's driving around power. Is that right?
1: Co- yeah, it's more security orientated. So definitely into that power or oppositional. I don't need to work with others, So, potentially even competitive. Uh. Maybe even down into the avoidance space. Yeah, I can stay, stay solo. I don't need to run and work with others. I don't need to talk right. to others. i just keep my head down yeah. and do my own thing.
0: And so then I guess it really depends on the context, which it's in when you see a low interdependence score and so on. you know to, what, what does that mean? Might depend a bit on those other causal factors around it as to what it drives.
1: Correct. So the key for me around interdependence is when we, and think about we're talking about designing roles oh. and creating roles to support constructive, make a difference, significant growth and development. To what degree does the role design encourage and support, facilitate working with others? Uh, do we promote that or do we constrain and inhibit that through the design of the role? Do we say, hub and spoke, you always come back to the middle, or do we have it more collective and it's circular and collaborate amongst groups uh, rather than always going back through the centre? Uh, So what I would recommend to people is how do you design the roles?
0: Fantastic. Well, that was a good overview, DB. If I could just recap it a little. So we're talking about how we design jobs and how that impacts culture. And we touched on autonomy. So can people make decisions in their role? If they can't, then maybe it just drives them into a kind of passive follow the rules type mindset. We talked about variety. So can they use different skills in their role or is it just the same thing over and over and over? And again, if it is just the same thing over and over and over, it's kind of check my brain out type stuff. We talked about feedback from the job. So as opposed to getting feedback from other people like our manager, it's being able to tell, are we doing a good job just from doing the job itself? And then linked to that was task identity, which was around, you know, what's my what's my span of my job? Am I doing just one, part, one small part of a much larger job or do I actually get an identifiable piece of work that? I can own and make mine and really, you know, do my best on it. Then we went into significance. So does what I do actually make a difference? Does it make a difference to customers? Does it make a difference to the world? Does it make a difference to my teammates and those around me? And am I clear on what that is? And we talked about the janitor, you know, saying he saves lives because ultimately he's part of the team that does that. And then finally, interdependence. So is my job designed where it's just a one-man show, I'm on my own, or am I encouraged to collaborate
1: and work with other people on the money dom the whole world of job design and what i would say is are we designing our roles to encourage facilitate support making a difference creativity growth caring collaboration or are we designing our jobs to be one-man shows that effectively and we don't provide feedback that pull people away from all those constructive ideals that we all have
0: fantastic thanks for your time today db
1: my pleasure great podcast
0: Absolutely. And so we've got one more in this series where we'll be looking at leadership. So it's a it's a big one next episode. So stay tuned for that. Thanks, Tom. In today's episode of Culture Bites, we talked about the How Culture Works Model. The How Culture Works Model is from the Organizational Culture Inventory and Organizational Effectiveness Inventory. The feedback report for these surveys and other culture change resources are copyrighted by Human Synergistics International. Research and development by Robert A. Cook and J. Clayton Lafferty. All rights reserved. Please contact us if you would like to review any of these resources for organisational change and development.